I just spent the last few minutes before the show communing with the most uh, divine baby. And there is something special about a baby at this time of year. And my first guest this morning, who is that baby's mother, says that she has a lot to be thankful for this Christmas. Um, actress and TV presenter Caroline Moore, and you're very welcome. Thank you. Good morning. And congratulations on baby Rowan. He's four months old now. He is. And I believe you picked Rowan partially because this was a name that could be pronounced in LA where, <laughs> where you now live. That is certainly handy. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Because what, what, what his surname is going to be? Oh, that's tricky. It's O'Keefe, spelt the Irish way. With the name H. So how, yes. how do they manage O'Keefe? They don't. It's okay. hilarious. Right. And they just kind of bulldoze through. You yeah. know, they don't go, I'm sorry, ma'am, could you? They go, oh, quam, and you're just yeah. like, oh, stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I see, I see Dahi, your your partner, the, the child's father, goes by Doc. Yes, is that for always. convenience out Well, there? actually, yeah, always, yeah, has, always has, since yeah, he was a child. It is handier mm-hmm. for them. So you're home for Christmas, and you even have the dog home with you. Yes, yeah, we're all home. The entire family is home. And it's just magical. She was the grandchild prior to Rowan arriving, <laughs> Kiki the dog. Okay. So uh, my dad in particular is very excited to have her here. To have Kiki here? Yes. More, more than Rowan, do you think, <laughs> secretly? Uh, no, Rowan has now reached the same level. Uh, oh. The enthusiasm levels have been matched. Okay. But, but prior to Rowan, it was all about Kiki. And how are Kiki and Rowan? Or how is Kiki about Rowan more specifically? Well, it's amazing, actually. We handled that whole thing the way somebody would a new sibling arriving. You know, I made sure that when I came into the house after the baby was born, I wasn't carrying him so she could see that she hadn't been replaced and Doc came in with a blanket for her to smell. So we really took it seriously yeah. and she kind of ignored him for the first while. But now it's it's actually really touching. She is his protector. She stands in front of him whenever anyone comes into the house and barks at people she never barked at before. But then once she sees that we're fine with them, she sits by his side. It's really, it's very sweet. Okay, and, and I hope it stays that way. Yeah, keep, <laughs> keep an eye on that situation. Now, look, Caroline, the word journey gets overused these these days but your path to having Rowan a lot of ups and downs along the way there but just to go back a little bit first you kind of weren't one of these people who got married and then said right let's have a baby straight away you kind of spent a lot of your 20s and 30s thinking why are these people saddling themselves with with babies I know I remember a friend of mine we were 28 and we were on a night out in Samsara if that still exists, probably not. And he was saying like, you know, now if I'm going out with someone, it's because that's it. Like, you know, that's where I'm, and I'm going. You're 28. What are you talking about? I never had that sort of map in place of, yeah. it. you know, it's marriage, then it's babies. And we got married and we were totally happy just being us. I did have a, in the back of my mind that I would, I think at some point, like to have children, but it was, I wasn't clucky the way other people like turn 30 and go, I need a baby mm-hmm, now. That mm-hmm. hadn't happened for me. And I think I was nervous you, about it as well. Why were you nervous about it? Well, just it's such a huge life changing thing. And I didn't know, would I be too overwhelmed? Would I, I, you see everyone in the world doing it and I'm like, but will I make a mess of it? What, you know, I know. Yeah, you overthink these things. And then I they do, come along and most people. Absolutely. And I do overthink it. most things. So really, there really is first. that. Right. <laughs> Tell me about finding out you were pregnant the first time. I believe you were dancing on a table somewhere oh, very God. exotic. The night. So funny. The night before versus the morning after when I discovered we're two very different <laughs> scenarios. Yeah. yeah, we were with friends in the Dominican Republic, enjoying the local brew and dancing all night and having a fantastic time. It's absolutely stunning. 
And we had just bought our home in LA and we were a, like less than a month in the place, a couple of weeks in the place. And it had been very fractious with the real estate agent was a disaster. So there had been a lot of tension. So I kind of hadn't noticed schedule wise where I was on the map. And suddenly I'm in the Dominican Republic going, I kind of feel strange, but is it just, and then I, I suddenly went, oh my God, um, could I be pregnant? And we went and got like literally a $3 uh, test because we were in uh, this part where the, there was no kind of major shops or anything. We just bought it in a, a hotel gift shop and it immediately told me I was. And we went through every emotion you can imagine mm. in that like public toilet. <laughs> I had him in with me because I was like, am I doing this right? You know, I was just couldn't believe it. But um when the dust settled, we we were just so full of joy. It was it was a feeling I could I'd never experienced. It was it was a new sensation coursing through my body, and it was just it was joy. And so we um, kind of walked back, like smiling to ourselves. And then there were another big celebration dinner that night, and people are passing around the the wine and the champagne. And I'm like, actually, I think I did enough last night. I'm just gonna have water, and mm. and that was. That was okay, but how it that was. had a sad ending. That it story. did. I, I, um, I discovered quite soon after that it was looking like I was going to miscarry. I started to um, have signs of spotting, and I, I wasn't plunged into the depths of despair because my mother had miscarried and spoken about it a lot, and mm-hmm. I just looked on miscarriage as something very natural and normal, and the body doing what the body needs to do. Uh, so I I was like, oh, okay. And and I it thought, well, we'll get pregnant again and that'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I that was my attitude to it. And friends were going, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, well, it's a normal thing. It happens all the time. Yeah. I can't, I should have looked up the statistics, but it's very, very common. But I did, your second miscarriage did hit you a bit harder, didn't that it? That really did. That really did. And I think um, we got pregnant a few months later and we were really excited and we thought this time it's for real. And so we were very confident that everything was going to be fine. And my parents came over and, you know, my mom was like, put that down anytime I tried to pick up anything. Yeah. Um, so I was very looked after. And um, shortly after they left, we went for, I think it was the nine week scan. So uh, my husband had kind of tempered his excitement up to that point because he was like, let's see, see where we are. But then when you have the scan, of course, you can see everything on the screen. So it becomes real and it mm-hmm. becomes very exciting. But then when the doctor um, s- sort of went silent, I was like, what's the problem? And she said, well, um, you know, are you sure with about your dates? And I'm like, I know the moment I conceived, I'm absolutely positive. And she said, well, the, the fetus doesn't correspond. Like, so the development had stopped a few weeks prior. So okay. she said this, I don't see this going forward and you'll need to come back in to have a procedure, um, which I didn't do. Then I just went to an acupuncturist to help my body just... So okay. I, yeah, I was, I was devastated in the word after that. Absolutely devastated. Yeah. And like a period, which probably perfectly normal where you kind of didn't want to get out of bed. Devastated. Yeah. I, I couldn't recognize myself after that. Really? We got, first of all, we got such a fright, you know, cause we thought everything was fine. Yeah. And then. Shock is a powerful thing. It really is. It? Yeah. And I imagine that then there's all kinds of hormonal handovers going on because I literally, it was like I was permanently like taking sleeping tablets is how my body felt. Like I would wake up and I would just 
maybe eat something and then just be like, I'm ready to sleep again. And I just couldn't do anything. Mm. Uh, it was it was a very physical as well as emotional reaction. I was crying all the time and I'd sit down to do a meditation or a guided meditation where like to help me. And I'm like bawling, crying, all, like looking at myself going, God, I can't even hear what, the, what Deepak Chopra is saying because yeah. I'm like roaring, crying. It was um, it was really overwhelming. Um, so you decided then to go down the IVF route. You went to the Czech Republic for that. We did. Why, we, why is that? I So I went at this gung-ho, all guns blazing, did so much research, spoke to people in Los Angeles, spoke to people around the US, um, Ireland. And through the research I did statistically, my age group, um, the, the highest success rate was in, uh, in Prague, was in the Czech Republic. So we set about going there. And I also liked the idea of going somewhere where there's sort of, uh, I, I wanted to not get it overly obsessed. And I said, well, let's mm-hmm. treat this as a like vacation, you know, and instead of, because if you're, it's hard to sort of have your normal life. And when this is all you're thinking about, you're trying to kind yeah. of not be thinking about it all the time. And I thought if we treat it as like a holiday, you know, yeah, trying yeah, to fool yeah. my brain into that and be more relaxed about it instead of going over. Because clenched. I think from what I hear, a lot of people do get quite uptight about it. It can be tough on a relationship and, and, and just tough on, on on the people in general, the IVF route. Absolutely. Yeah. It can, and I, it can be like a type of insanity in terms of the obsession like you're um, measuring temperatures to see, you know, when you're most fertile and then when you're actually taking the drugs, they can make you go a bit crazy. I actually responded, I think, I think you'd have to be interviewing my husband, sort of okay. Okay. Um, But certainly the the wonderful thing for us was we were both on the same page with it. We both wanted this. I think it, so we kind of, I said, I sort of apologised in advance and said, if I get a bit over emotional you know let's blame the drugs kind of a thing but um but we had sort of said whatever happens on this journey let let it not be all we think about and all we do let's live our lives let's not like run away anytime we're around people with babies or anything like that we we didn't want it to get to that point and you say we and and i know and look let's make clear i'm not the one saying this but you say that the the whole IVF scene can be quite tough on men as well and that we don't talk about I that. I think so. I think hugely. I know from my experience, sometimes if you're watching someone go through something, it's nearly worse than you'd rather just be doing it yourself mm-hmm. because then you can kind of work it out in your own mind. And when you're sort of trying to support somebody, that can be really difficult. And I think also men, like there's certainly culturally, they don't discuss things the same way women do. And I still think around IVF and miscarriages, women aren't talking enough about it, but men less so. Mm-hmm. And and so men are kind of trying to hold everything together, bottling everything in. So after the second miscarriage, I literally dispatched him off to a, a really good friend of ours, an Irish guy that, he, that they've been friends since college that lives not too far. I said, go down and talk to him. You, you know, you can't mm-hmm. just be the big strong man and hold this all on your own. You need to talk about this. This is a, a, a grief and it needs to be processed because I don't think men are great at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, getting better, I think, getting better. Um, so you, you, you're you in the Czech Republic. I gather the uh, the old bedside manner uh, wasn't oh the best in the Czech Republic. Shocking. Like, I, I was kind of going, is this a hidden camera show? Like, is this, like, <laughs> this could be a comedy. It's so bad. Uh, 
yeah, the nurses and the reception staff were lovely, but the doctors, they're delivering. I mean, I think they don't, somebody said maybe is it because they don't want their statistics to drop. So they don't want to take somebody that they look on as not an easy fix, you know, somebody that's okay. older or whatever. Perhaps that's part of the reason they don't want to go ahead with it. But so they're from the very beginning, they're going egg donor, egg donor. And I'm like, guys, can we give this a try and see how we get on, you know? Um, so for people who don't know what that means, that's like using another egg as opposed to yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's an, another option and it's a great option for lots of people. But um, so I went in to have the process done and the first round was a complete and utter unmitigated failure. And when you're getting that kind of difficult news, you would like it given to you delicately. But uh, the doctor came in and almost like harumphed as though I was wasting his time and delivered the news in a one line. And it was like, I felt like I'd been shot. I mean, I was just like backed yeah. against the wall white. Um, so I was trying to like pull it apart and go, well, what does this mean? And he, when he saw my reaction that I looked like I was going to collapse, he kind of then went, oh, it can, it can be different month to month. There can be a different reaction. And I was like... Well, that's important information that yeah, perhaps yeah, okay. you could have... So well, he pulled it back in fairness to him. We, well, because he, be he thought he was going to have to put me on some sort of adrenaline shot because I, I was going to collapse in front of him. I got such a fright the way he said it. I really did. You know, it was awful. Yeah. And how many rounds of IVF did you do? So I did two in that same place and was geared up for the third. And they cancelled the third because I hadn't responded properly to the medication. Like you would hope that several eggs would reach maturity before you do an extraction where they go in and, and take the eggs. Okay. And only one had like reached the right size. And actually in Prague, they were saying, oh, it looks too big. We don't like the look of that egg. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. You know what? And then I, I called uh, Dr. Rishi at the Rotunda private and managed to get him on the phone a complete angelic coincidence because he didn't work that day uh, you can never get a consultant on a phone mm-hmm. and he just happened to be in doing paperwork on his day off and he said I don't know what they're talking about saying the egg looks too big he said it couldn't be that size and bigger in a normal cycle um, so he said well you could try naturally and that's what we did and then so you came home to, to didn't, Ireland yeah Mm-hmm. And w- what happened then? So came home to Ireland, did the scans. That's when we f- saw only one egg look like it was at the races. So then I cancelled the flight to Prague. I was on the phone to Doc going, maybe don't come back to Ireland, stay in LA. And he said, Asher, ah, you know, I may as well have the flight booked, I'll come. And then we were starting an- another round of IVF, thinking that we that, that month had been a waste of time. And as we were being scanned, preparing the injections, the doctor went quiet again and I was like, oh, here we go. And I could see there was just one little sort of uh, dark spot on the monitor. And she said, that's that's not a follicle, that's an embryo. You're pregnant. And I just went <laughs> like, what? You know, I thought, I thought, are you rehearsing? Like, what? Like, I just couldn't, I did not know what she was saying. And the two of us just were like, she's just said you're pregnant, but obviously she's on drugs. Like, that does not make sense. Um, And she, she said, that is an embryo, you're pregnant, you have conceived naturally. And we were just like, oh my God. But of course, mothers know everything. Your mother had spotted it already, <laughs> hadn't she? Well, she didn't, she didn't um, know that I was pregnant, but she did because I had done a blood test and I'd been told that I wasn't pregnant, but of course it was too early. They didn't, yeah. you know, know. But, but mom had sort of 
seen something in my eyes and in my skin and, and just kind of remarked that there was something going on on Christmas Day. She was like, you are glowing. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and you were, and you were. So no, um, and obviously Rowan is with us now. Uh, very cute. What I like, I like an alert baby and he does, he's quite an alert baby, isn't he? He's engaged. Oh my God, from the get-go. Yeah. Now, the thing is this, a lot of people when they're out in, whether it's Australia, America, whatever, and they're out there having a ball and then they have kids and then suddenly it's time for the kids to go to school and they start thinking, yeah, I, I don't know, do I want to raise my kids out here? If I start sending them to school, I'm here for another 15 years or whatever. Have, are you staying in L.A.? We're really happy in L.A. and I've never been much of, I suppose that'll have to change now that I'm a mother, but I haven't been much of a planner really in my life. I sort of see where I am and take stock in the moment and go, is this working? Is it not working? And we're very happy there. Uh, Certainly the Irish education system is the best and that is a, a factor. Um, but we have friends that are, you know, they're raising children in, in L.A. and they're doing a great job and they've beautiful children, well adjusted and all the rest of it. So we'll see, we'll, yeah. you know, but. Um, when you went out there first, Caroline, and you've, you've spoken in various interviews about the, that. I think the as much as like the, you, you're kind of very positive person who and an open person who's very at home in that culture you've talked about things like that for example the haves and the have-nots out there is pretty extreme and that's a bit of a culture shock yeah that's probably the single worst thing actually about los angeles is the disparity um i mean the it's disgraceful what's happening in ireland in terms of homelessness as well i mean we really need to get our act together there and there needs to be huge change grassroots change here too but the situation in Los Angeles is everywhere you look, there's somebody that is utterly destitute with no hope of changing anything in their life. Absolutely no way to get any kind of foot on any ladder. And uh, and then right beside would be the most f- fabulously wealthy neighbourhood. It's just, it's really disgusting, actually, the, the, the gap and no chance of ever of seeing it. And in terms broken. of, presumably you had to make some cultural adjustments to living out there as well, did you, you, you to yourself and how you? Well, certainly in, in work context, like Irish people, we downplay everything. It's <laughs> like, ah, no, and like, ah, sure, come on. Um, whereas it's the reverse there. People blow their own trumpets left and right and make everything out to be great. So like I'd be meeting with the producer and they're like, oh, you, you know, you, you host this and I'm like, ah, yeah, you know, it's just, it's on just like, the, <laughs> you know. Whatever. You, and yeah. then they're like, but that's like, that's like the main channel, right? That's like, that's like NBC. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you know, and then I, I kind of realised, oh God, I better get on this train and actually be like, yes, yes, I'm an actress and I'm talented and, you yeah. know, and it feels it, really Yeah, icky. because you did talk, you talked about having that kind of imposter syndrome when you went out there first a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, certainly as an actor, because I hadn't, you know, that's sort of where things began for me when I was younger, but I hadn't been acting professionally uh, for a long time. So you feel like you, you don't have the right to sort of call yourself an actress when you've been TV presenting for such a long time and you haven't been acting. And then I was like, oh, well, God, everyone around me that 
hasn't done as much as I have as <laughs> saying yeah. it. So maybe I should start yeah, actually yeah. owning it. Absolutely. <laughs> and and work wise, are you in a good place now? Because I know you do. In one of the interviews towards the beginning of your time out there, you, are, are, you said that when you were first out there, you kind of lost yourself a little bit. But, yeah. but I get the sense that things have kind of come good for you now. Yeah, well, certainly I did. I kind of, um, but lately, to be honest, I am just so uh, like ha- having Rowan and for that to have happened, I one thing that I was sort of trying to get into my head because it's that catch 22 when you really, really want something, you can actually block it from yourself. You have to sort of try as best you can to let go. So I was really trying to mantra this sort of concept of surrender. And I, in terms of work, I just sort of, it it hasn't been my focus for the last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I did a huge show, um, which was brilliant, which came out of nowhere. As soon as I committed to that um, mindset of not looking for anything, I got a phone yeah. call from what a producer. That? that was uh, called The World's Best, which was a talent show, like, you know, America's Got Talent or something like that for CBS that I was one of the judges. Um, okay. RuPaul, Drew Barrymore were judges and um, James Corden hosted it. And it was absolutely an amazing experience. And I'd say you were a nice judge. Were you a positive judge? You weren't the mean judge, I bet. I was not the mean judge. Yeah. <laughs> was part of it, when you when you went out to LA initially, was part of it like that you felt the pressure of everyone back in Ireland going, look at Carly Moran heading off to LA. She's got oh, there's definitely, like, and there's absolutely. To... Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, that that's a huge thing. Like, I remember, because I kind of went out over in secret. I didn't tell anyone that we were doing it. Like, I finished shooting a TV show, uh, a, an Irish talent show, and then the following morning I was on a plane and no one there knew that I was going, mm-hmm. you know, because I wanted to see, do I like it? Can I make this work before it was all dissected? And I did... Um, and then I came back and did Podge and Raj and still was sort of like, I'm not telling people. And then they were like, everyone knows. So the lads were like, you know, t- I'm trying to think of what the polite way of saying. Uh, they were uh, having a good laugh at my expense. There you go. Thank you, Brendan. But yeah, you are uh, you are nervous about what people are going to think and you you do want to sort of be succeeding and not sort of looked on like oh you've left Ireland and what are you doing now or whatever but um but something I've really tried to to cuz now everything's great but in that time I had to go stop being so like stuck in your ego stop thinking about what other people mm-hmm. think of you that is not and I used to be really good at that I used to have a very strong, but those early years in LA, I was very, oh God, oh no, what are they saying? And all this. And it's like, just The weight stop of a it. whole nation's expectations you know, ha- hanging some, on you. Some people were catty and other people were incredibly supportive. And it's like, do you know what? You And there, anyone has to do whatever they want to do and forget about the commentary, you know? Uh, the random things that happen in LA. Did your husband have to film you doing a sex scene once? <laughs> Wow, that's really Chinese whispered <laughs> to the nth degree. Uh, no, Brandon. Okay. But uh, he did help with um, uh, an audition piece that I was doing. Um, and uh, it was actually hilarious because I got a, a friend that I was in acting class with to be my partner in this scene. And it was quite raunchy. And I thought the guy was gay. And it turns out he was gay. <laughs> and uh, I actually booked the job. But um, so clearly Doc is an excellent director, 
but um but then um a, a few days later after like I'd been offered the role and I was delighted and I told everyone at home and I was thrilled then they said actually we uh we want you to take your top off and I was like mm, no not for that role it's not the the there's not enough of a story. It's just yeah. absolute tokenism. So no, thank you very much. So. And of course, this is, that, that that is an example of something we're seeing more and more talk about, isn't there? Wasn't there an actress um, talked last week about filming that TV show, The Affair, and the reason that she left it and everything? I think it's disputed, but she's basically saying, why do they need to see more of me and not more of yeah. the of the Fair the play to her, co-stars. absolutely. Um, no. You have given Rowan the middle name James uh, after your late brother who died as, as a small child. Tell me, because it kind of relates to this building here. Tell me the story about your mom, your brother and, and this building. Yes, goodness, goodness. Um, So James uh, is my brother and also my dad. So they're both... They're both in there with the name. And um, years ago, so James was born with polycystic kidneys. So instead of having two functioning kidneys, he had one that didn't work. So he needed a transplant urgently. And this is in the year 80s. And at the time, people were not donating. Uh, doctors weren't approaching parents in hospitals when, when there'd been a tragic accident and saying, this is an option for you, it just wasn't being done. So my mother was looking at her son and going, uh, nothing's happening here. I need to I need to sort of get the message out there. And she said, well, how? And she uh, she's a very shy person. She's not into public appearance or speaking or anything. And she said, well, the one route to every household in Ireland is the gay burn show. So she uh, literally came to the radio building with the baby in her arms and said, I'm going on your show and Gay invited her in and and then subsequently had her on the Late Late and it, the effect was immediate. People started to donate. Uh, uh, awareness was raised and James then did have a transplant. Um, sadly, uh, a couple of years later, it didn't work out and I'm delighted now things medically have advanced. We're in light years ahead of where we were then. But at the time, that it wasn't even that that procedure wasn't happening here for mm. a child of his age. So we had to all transplant ourselves <laughs> to uh, London where he had his operation in Guy's Hospital. But Gay Byrne was instrumental in getting that message out there. It was incredible. It was literally like turning on a light switch, the difference. Yeah. And I know that James remains a very important part of, of your family for all of Absolutely. you. Absolutely, uh, Caroline, lots of lovely texts. Um, uh, listening to Caroline, totally relating. I have a similar story and enjoying a first Christmas with a healthy baby after experiencing miscarriages and then one successful round of IVF. Great to hear someone talk about it as it's not talked about enough. And uh, another person saying IVF doesn't work for all of us. The pain was cutting every waking day until we adopted a lovely kid with all its challenges. Oh, that's Life lovely. is happy again, thank God. Just, just I'm to so glad up, somebody Colin, said that actually because that's yeah. one thing with this yeah. is that, you know, you have an idea of how your life is going to be and on what's right for you and like if you're trying to have a baby and it's not working out and you're doing everything, there are other avenues and it might not be what you originally envisaged for yourself. But as that person said, it's it's wonderful and it's miraculous and magical and in another way it can be, absolutely. Okay, that's a, that's a lovely note to end on. Uh, Caroline Moran, have a very happy Christmas and thank you very much and we'll take a break.